0: Hello everyone, welcome back to another episode of Craft Beer and Data. My name is Nick Piette, Chief Evangelist here at Talon. I'm Mark Walkman, Director of Technical Product Marketing here at Talon. And then we have Gabe from Twisted Pine Brewery, which is where we're at today. So Gabe, tell us a little bit about, about this place, right? So Mark's been here before, I've I'm, I'm just got a highlight right now. <laughs> before you That's start, That's what Gabe. he picks, yeah. Before you start, <laughs> Gabe. Everyone take note of that.
1: It's a pumpkin spice beer and it comes with whipped cream, if, if so chosen. So my pumpkin pie beer came with whipped cream on. I couldn't pass it up. No, nope, <laughs> thank nope, you, Nick. Clearly,
0: no problem. So yeah, it's okay. <laughs> now we called you out. Tell us a little bit about Twisted Pine.
2: Ah, uh, well, we're uh, we're a little brew pub here in Boulder. Um, we do a little less than a thousand barrels a year. We pride ourselves on on having a huge variety. We've got twenty four taps. We, uh, I mean, if you just look at the the, the beers in front of you, we've got you know we've got some weird stuff we've got some pretty standard stuff we uh, we like to we like to, to make unique beers we like to be okay great, one cool one of the out there breweries sometimes right so
0: how did how did twisted pine start right it's an interesting history as i was kind of reviewing like you know uh, one of the real big brewers of the day kind of started it and sold it and you guys kind of merged so how do, what's the history of twisted
2: pine yeah twisted pine actually goes back to 1995 uh, with Gordon Knight mm-hmm. one of the you know, one of the local beer legends in mm-hmm. in the, the Denver Boulder area, and uh, our current owner Bob Bale yep. uh, purchased it from him. We've been uh, in this location since 2003. Uh, at one time, as recently as a year and a half ago, where we're sitting now, <laughs> our event space was the packaging hall. Oh, okay. For yeah. uh, for a number of years there, they were they were packaging and distributing right here, and. Uh, about a year and a half ago Bob and uh, probably Wilson the the general manager and whoever else was on board at the time said you know let's take a big step back let's be let's just be right here let's be a brew pub awesome let's make less beer Well, let's make, make good it beer better. right yeah
0: so awesome i'm at beer task like what how do you guys decide what type of beer to make like what's the decision process i mean we got a, i've got everything from kind of raspberry rising to billy's chilies here on my tab so like what what it goes through that mindset of like, all right, we're gonna make this.
2: Well, many of those are staples. The uh, the raspberry beer, both of the chili beers. We've got Billy's chilies. We we didn't bring you out a, a, a glass yeah, the of God. the Ghostface Killer, but but we have it. You she mentioned it Or They have, <laughs> and it's one of these, and they have it to us. <laughs> yep. uh, the the coffee beers, um, a couple of IPAs. Most of those. Uh, a, not quite half of our beers are staples. Okay. They're beers that we keep on tap all the time. Past that, it's you know part of it's seasonal. We release our North Star every mm-hmm. every November, December. Uh, the Imperial Stout or Imperial Porter. Um, we've got some barrel releases coming out pretty soon. Uh, also seasonal. Okay. We you know we've got some more Brown Ales and things like that on right now. I have Plus, a James Brown. You do. It
1: looks very good. I can't wait to dig in. <laughs> You finished You finish, better, you finish that PSL, than right? <laughs> but my pumpkin pie
2: <laughs> but, but above and beyond that, it's just what sounds good. What you know? What can we make that's unique and delicious? Uh, one of these beers is a is a ginger sour saison or a sour. Yeah. It's a kettle sour beer that we fermented with saison yeast and then finished. Uh, not quite a pound of ginger per barrel. Mm. And wow. We just tapped it yesterday. It's you know it, it's a it's a unique beer it's something that sounded good to us you know yeah. i work with the kitchen guys pretty regularly and you know we we have a lot of yeah uh, cross, yeah cross- a lot of cross contamination <laughs>
0: <laughs> so it's a good way to make your beers <laughs> so since you've mentioned you had so many beers on tap, cross-pollination yeah cross-pollination, <laughs> uh, <laughs> cross-pollination. Uh, i get it um which of the beers here is your favorite
2: um you know, a lot of times it's whatever is freshest, whatever is, whatever is new. just we, open. We, what we, are you I, drinking now? Right now I've got a Pilsner. Okay. I've, got to, I've got to go run some errands and you know, it's, not, it's not quite time for an IPA. Um, the Intercept IPA is one of my favorites, that's one of my go-tos. Okay. The Pilsner is a go-to. Uh, I'm going to drink a lot of the ginger, uh, the, the sour ginger saison for, for the next couple of weeks until Probably until we roll out our cherry sour. Ooh, Excellent, uh, that'll be a good one. Yeah, sour. you know it's a lot of it's a lot of it's what's new, what's freshest. I think
1: I know new? I'm getting Nick for Christmas. There you go, there <laughs> Some you go. Cherry sours. Oh, I appreciate right. it, Mark. All right,
2: Mark, do you have any more questions for him?
1: No, that's uh, very good. Actually, you have award-winning beer on here. I don't think we mentioned. No, yet. that's true. Yeah, so Great American Beer Fest was just last October, right? Yep. And you guys came away with an award.
2: Yeah, we took uh, silver medal in session IPA yeah. for our patio pounder.
1: Excellent, which is on mine, and I will be yeah. enjoying that. Yeah, maybe yeah. that's what I'll do my uh, big data <laughs> chug on. Oh, there you go. That's you a know, good one. You should probably sip that. It's probably worth it. You it's uh, you gotta teach you. Pretty sure I can get another one. Now. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs>
2: that's uh, a chuggable beer. It's not. Yeah. We don't. We don't encourage people to come in and chug our beer necessarily. Ah, uh, either, but. but uh, <laughs> it's a but, lower. It's a lower uh, bitterness beer. It's. Ooh, all right. Um, but you know, it's about four, four and a half percent, four, four seven. Okay. Uh, loads of late hop, loads of dry hopping, nice. so it's really bright and and fresh and excellent. Also, not too mouth puckering or too, uh, too boozy. I don't
1: encourage <laughs> pounding beers either, but Nick always wants but, to try to beat me, so.
2: But pound is in the, the, name, in the name of the name, so it seems right. like a good one <laughs> for yeah. it. It's
1: a good candidate, so thank you.
2: Yeah.
0: Gabe, it's been a pleasure. Thank you for talking to us today about beers here. Thanks Um, for coming on. Of course, yeah. Thank you. Well, that was a great conversation with Gabe, head brewer here at Twisted Pine. My name is Nick Piet. I'm Mark Balknandy. And uh, let's continue on with another episode of Craft Beer and Data. Yeah, it has been a while, Mark. It has. We were kind of talking about this before we started the show. Um, We have been traveling, right? Mostly you, Nick. Yep. Me a little bit. Yeah, I know. Uh, and you sure like to call me out on social media. So if you're following our Twitter accounts, then you probably have seen. It's most
1: fun. It is. Uh, although, no. although I was just in California I doing a live podcast, which was fun. With, That's uh, true. With the uh, tweet, uh, with the uh, uh, Enterprise of the Week series. So that was fun. That was yeah. was a good time So check me out there.
0: Yeah, that was good. We'll put it in the uh, the comment section of this one so that you can look at it as well. Uh, and certainly, it's always good to get the uh, word out about the craft beer and data series, as well as more like what I, enterprise data is going on. I did
1: mention it. In there. Good,
0: oh, perfect, <laughs> perfect. Uh, so hey, Texas out there. <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah, so today we wanted to talk about kind of the, the a couple shifts in the industry, right? It's kind of on the same level as like Pepsi and Coke or IPAs and not IPAs, but really batch or streaming, streaming right versus or or yeah
1: or real time or, yeah or whatever you want to call it or near real time because <laughs> well, is it ever real time we will we'll no, get it's into always that. near right? real time i don't know yeah no but, but first nick yes i know you had a big milkshake right before yes, this. yes i did
0: i know i was not excuses planning.
1: excuses but we must continue the big big, big data beer chug yeah. yeah
0: i know i know if i haven't lost enough already i might as well lose another all right so who's this going out to mark
1: well, where are you going next week, Nick? Should we get a shout out to, to yeah. you, our partners there?
0: Yeah, yep. Yeah. So I'm heading off to Reinvent next week. So we'll give the shout out to Amazon and the AWS cloud. So yeah, excellent cloud series. Cheers. Cheers.
1: I don't think we need a judge for that one.
0: Nope, we don't.
1: Do we need to pause the recording though?
0: Nope. <laughs> no, no. Check will be fine. Awesome. Ugh.
1: Little. all right so thank you twisted pine for hosting us today and great beers in front of us but let's get down to yeah the topic,
0: topic. right that topic so, at hand batch versus streaming mm-hmm. you know i think at a high level and we were kind of joking that back in your day yeah back when i started <laughs> when i got
1: going in it and you know most of the the stuff i did was all around batch batch analytics batch updates to the operational systems that i was supporting whether it was you know siebel or, you know, other ODSs or data warehouses, it was, you know, batch was always good enough. The question was, right. do you need it hourly, daily, weekly, monthly? What do you Both ways uphill in the snow? Yeah, both ways uphill without a computer. Right, so without typically. a computer. Typically. So, so that's, you know, I started out in that world and, and you know, some mid, mid part of my career, I started shifting over to, you know, working with real-time data streams. Yeah. And, uh, real, you know, message over middleware or mom, as they call it. So...
0: Yeah, well, and and it's funny because you mentioned like uh, my approach or where I kind of entered was much more of that event-driven streaming type right. architecture. So it'll be it'll be a fun conversation. I think that you know first, what's what's preface this by both are still very utilized within the industry. Uh, very relevant by all means. Right, uh, and I think we both have our opinions, and and so we'll we'll kind of talk about it. You know, I think, but you know, let's highlight just you know. Where I'm seeing one of the biggest shifts is more and more companies actually trying to take advantage of streaming. Now, you mentioned a very interesting part of that, which is real time. And what does it mean? As you see, my <laughs> real time. Real
1: time. Wow. What does that mean, Nick? Tell me. Right. Well, and I think because often in, in back in the day when we started talking about real time, we're like, is it real time? No, it's like milliseconds later. So it was near real time.
0: Right. Fine. 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 Well, and I <laughs> and I think that that's. That's one of the big things that we often struggle with, is that when, when I talk with a number of organizations, they're often saying, well, I want it real-time. Well, what does real-time mean to you? Well, I want it faster than it was before, right? What well, was it before? Right, exactly. Every and,
1: hour, every five minutes, and, what do and, you want?
0: And I think to your point, it is not necessarily a conversation of real-time, but near real-time. Or rather, how much time from the event creation to the actual event processing. What'd you say, event? Event creation, Ah, right? Or data so- creation, if you will. Um, to which, the processing
1: time, which brings up another great topic is what is you know how do you do real time I and mean, what's what's the trigger for the real time? Are you doing you know change data capture or CDC, or are you doing event right driven change?
0: So right, which and so I think at this point many people are aware of a lambda architecture, but if you're not, it's essentially recognizing. That in in enterprise there's a need for more kind of batch or schedule oriented pulls of data versus consumption of data in a more messaging flow. Right. Well, Lambda architecture, which by the way nobody talks about anymore, but <laughs> it's all <laughs> Kappa. I know
1: it's all Kappa. <laughs> it's the marketing message has died, I think, on Lambda. But it's you know it's it is it's about the what they call the fast processing mm-hmm. versus the batch processing and being able to do that in a single architecture and. Being able to have your fast, you know, what is the fast versus the you know, batch, and what's needed, right? You know, and then sometimes those cross too because now, now you can do micro batching within the streaming, so which is a whole other world to talk
0: about. So well, but I it, think it, we're it, gonna be here all day. Well, we might be here. Get more we, got beer. Of, yeah, we might need a <laughs> couple more beers, uh, but so let's let's take that apart in a couple of things that you kind of mentioned. First, the need for a, a batch layer and a speed layer, right? Mm-hmm. I think. Organizations can agree that yes, we need this, but what we've seen as actually trying to put that into production is it can sometimes be a nightmare in terms of just trying to manage and and process that. So we joked that Lambda is dead, all hail Kappa, but it's essentially kind of realizing that everything can be going through kind of that that messaging layer, the pipe layer, but then handling it in this kind of event-driven versus micro-batch, which... You know, I, I have my personal opinions on this, and uh, which I really think everything is a micro-batch. We'll get into why I think that. Yeah, um,
1: Nick doesn't think anything's really real-time. Right. Everything's really just
0: a micro-batch. Yeah. Could so, be nanosecond batches, but... It's the truth. Well, and so if we, <laughs> if we look at it, so well, prior to working at Talon, I spent a lot of time in the financial services sector helping build uh, you know, trading applications and things like that. And what, what I found was even in the need of microsecond and nanosecond speeds, which isn't something that necessarily all enterprises need to deal with. <laughs> Very few, right? actually. In, in order to get that performance that you were looking for, you still had to batch. And let's let's think about this for a moment. Let's say that I had all of these beers, right, that were sitting here. You and had you, all of them, Nick? All of
1: these beers. You wouldn't be sitting
0: here. Right, hey. I don't know. <laughs> I'd be on the floor, <laughs> but um, no, it, it, let's say we had all these beers and they were sitting and they were ready for me to be consumed like they are now. Mm-hmm. Now let's say I had to do more than just consume these beers. What I had to Like maybe, what, score them? Yeah. Maybe I need to score them maybe I want to talk to you about that maybe I want to go check to see the reviews online this is the award-winning one can you figure that out while you drink all of them yeah right but in the sense of if I know I have all of this that I have to do if I were to take each one and then go through that process maybe I have to right because how we kind of define it's a little more structured well let's say that I have to do the same repetitive process over and over again the time that it could take for me to get from this beer to this beer we don't have that much time Right, we don't have that much time Nothing to do with the, I mean, there's some concerns with the consumption. Your
1: consumption speed is lower than maybe the consumption speed over here on this side of the room.
0: (laughs) Right. But it's the idea that if I know I have all this data in my pipeline, I can, rather than going back and switching between my operating, or the user space and kernel space, which is how computers really work, I can limit the number of calls, get a lot more data coming through and then actually process it down pipe. Now how that's generally then controlled is one of two ways. Either it's based on the number of messages or based on how long you wait, right? A time base. Right. And in reality, you really need both, right? I can sit there and say, look, I know what my high watermark is going to be, and it might be a second, which is what Spark Streaming kind of opens when you talk about the windowing. Or I could sit there and say, hey, I need 15, 20 events. And if I get those and I still have a minute, like that's that's how many messages I want to process. But what I don't want to have happen is sitting there for 10 seconds, if that ninth message hasn't popped and I'm waiting for ten messages, right? If I have it already I might as well just start processing it. So Nick,
1: why can't I just batch it all of them run in a big nice batch like I always used to?
0: Well you know I don't get it. So if I if you have that much data and I think it largely comes down to not necessarily when I'm going to pull it, but when I need to use it. So, you know, even if we look at some of the batch reports that we used to do every night, what we're seeing is in the enterprises need to be a lot more agile in the decisions that were being made from that data, and so they need it intraday, right? I might need to pull it in the morning and the evening. Um, a perfect example of this is working with a telecom company. They were trying to better understand how to balance their, their essentially their pipes based on what their customers were using. They never assumed that people were going to want to use Facebook on their phones, and so huh. they weren't, they weren't balancing it appropriately right. throughout the day. And so that. Now, when you start looking at some of these things that are having real customer impact, understanding the trends as they're happening within the day and and then being able to better allocate throughput because of that is something that's very critical.
1: Absolutely. Which one's the uh, big shot? Is it that one? That That was the one I,
0: yeah, that was the one I chugged. Not the Billy's Chilies. Oh yeah, grab your non IPA.
1: No, this is the uh, ginger one. You gotta try that. Okay. I think you might like that. I'm I'm still your happy, happy boy.
0: That's fine. You don't want to take the Billy's chilies. Oh. <laughs> so, uh, how do you see this? Where Where are you talking with a lot of customers? What are their challenges? So
1: you know, I, I come you know with again kind of mm-hmm. the batch history, but I also come you know not quite the speed of transaction processing you needed. Uh, but you know, within my career, we did do a lot of message over middleware using you know different queuing. You know the MQ series, and you know putting queues in front of everything mm-hmm. and doing, you know the the real time messaging through, you know what, you know, I think I think they're still called ESBs, but yeah. enterprise service buses and the, the different integration patterns like that to really guarantee delivery, have near real time within seconds being able you to know, update systems, um, and that's always been you know a pretty you know safe environment, a pretty established environment. It still is today. Uh, there's just you know different ways of doing it right, but it's the same technology and, um, But now the real big thing, you know the thing that we see especially now at talent It wasn't something I dealt with a lot in in my career, but you know working with customers at Talent and working in you know with these big data platforms right. or or really you know where you have streaming IOTs You know sensors and thousands and thousands of sensors sending you know terabytes and petabytes of data within hours to be able to crunch that, the you know, the old systems are failing. You know, the old yep. you know queuing system is failing. And so today you now have, you know, customers want not only a, a platform that can process across multiple clusters, but can stream and look at data across the clusters as well. Yeah. You know, and then you have the birth of Kafka, you know, one of the highest you know scaling and, and streaming queuing systems that's out there. It's very popular. Uh, used in almost all the streaming environments that are you know high volume mm-hmm. so you know they are, they do have a fault tolerance and f- fail you know they do you know say that they're you know very high fault tolerance they may not be at the you know guaranteed persisted delivery that right that many of the old systems were uh, or are today but sometimes you're you're not in banking all the time you don't right. need that you know guaranteed messaging you need to have a you know very high throughput so you can see you know our customers want to track how many you know sensors are showing X Y Z, so they can flag, you know, a, a windmill going and exploding in 10 seconds, shut it down, right? Right. Yeah. Because that windmill costs 10 million dollars just to you know repair the motor or whatever, you know, or a jet. You know, one of our you know we have you know a customer that's you know one of the top airline companies in Europe and in the U.S. But that uses us to, to transfer and monitor data every time one of their seven seven sevens lands yeah. it you know downloads gigabytes of data almost you know, terabytes of data off one flight you know to be able to process that very quickly um it is batch in some sense but it's also they want to track it real time
0: well and so you're bringing up the point which is even in a stream there is some level of batch right it has to happen and and even whether it's you know, I, I agree that even Non-capital market use cases, which I've spent some time working on as well. It wasn't that they non-capital ones. Non-capital market, yeah. I only focus on the, the big ones. ones. No, um, <laughs> the non-capital market use cases, like you know, just general messaging, as you're talking about. Right. If I have such a large volume of data, I can. And there is some benefit to having the, the scale that these big data environments provide. But Absolutely. One thing that brings up, though, is a kind of a challenge within this, which is. Certain streams of data, let's say that I'm looking not holistically across all of my thousand sensors or whatever right. hundred thousand, but within a single sensor I want to make sure that that data is processed somewhat in order so that I can maintain kind of the state changes or so Correlation like that. of messaging. Yes, yeah, so there needs to be some level of stickiness between each message from a given publisher but across the whole you know, Whole set of messages. I'm coming in. It's okay to spread those out. You know, I think that that's one of the big things that people need to think about when they start switching uh, yeah. from a batch oriented system to a streaming system is kind of two things. One, data doesn't come in order anymore. No. And never. two, because data doesn't come into order, the final downstream record, if you will, is malleable, right? It's almost kinda of like concrete. It's yes. not you know, do you want it fast drying concrete or do you want it slow drying? It's, it's gonna take a bit before you, you can move Depends do that. on the project, Mike. Exactly. Exactly. But you know, understanding that Hey, data is going to be coming out of order. It might not necessarily reflect the final state for uh, you know maybe ten, fifteen seconds after when I expected it to. That's still fine, right? I think that's absolutely a big, you know, yeah. big concern.
1: Yeah, and yeah, you know, so micro batching within streams has become you know pretty important too. So yep. you know, and then actually applying you know some of the simple machine learning you know, algorithms against those micro-batches even. So, you know, the next product offer is an example where, you know, I'm clicking, click, click, clicking on websites, you know, they're not taking one click or one move Mm -hmm. from one page to another or viewing over one thing. They're gonna take 10 of my clicks or 10 of my browsing movements in consideration before they consider that next recommendation. Same with like the sensor concept. You're gonna take, you know, you're not gonna take the first, you know, thing that comes from a sensor, the first warning of a vibration or a heat sensor right. or whatever for your sensors, you're going to take them together and you may want to take them within, you know, 10 seconds or 20 seconds and figure out are all these events together? Right, what's is the that the of prediction the of, of a bigger event that's going to about to happen? Um, right. So you know, having the ability to do that and having platforms that can do that today more readily available to you know, yes. the average enterprise, the average customer out there is, is huge. You know, because 10 years ago, only the, the big guys, you know, the special guys were doing, you know, with the really big deep pockets and the awesome technologies could do it. Now, you can go out and get Spark and machine learning and, you know, do different algorithms all on your own. You don't need to be an expert either. Right. So I mean, it's
0: very easy to get an IoT device. to do it. Yeah. <laughs> you know, if, if it's got the Internet signal, it could just push to Kinesis, mm. you know, subscribe off that. Push Which
1: it. is an Amazon right, uh, high-volume messaging queue like Kafka too, but for yep. those that... Right. are familiar with Amazon's ecosystem and what Kinesis is, but.
0: It's true. No, I mean, it's. It, you brought up a very interesting point that I like to highlight, which is that you know, oftentimes we see a lot of event driven architectures trying to be used to act, react, and respond in those types of situations. And one of the big things you kind of brought up is like, what happens if this event may be out of order, but it indicates a bigger problem? One of the, the big challenges I see a lot of enterprises trying to solve is for the event that just came in. Was that the canary in the coal mine or was it a red herring? Right? And good analogy, Nick. Yeah. yeah well, totally though. <laughs> I appreciate that. Every now and then I come up <laughs> with a good one, Mark. Uh, yeah. My job relies on me to be able to do this. So thank well, that's you. That's true. You I appreciate the,
1: it. I, it's true. That is part of your
0: job. <laughs> uh, Not no, mine, but, but yours. But it is the sense of, you know, is this event that I've looked at? And as you kind of mentioned, so one of the cases I got to spend time with was an oil and gas company that was actually getting the data as they're drilling for oil, right? And so, you know, that temperature sensor just spiked 15 degrees. Is that an indication that we just lit the oil field on fire? Or is that just a malfunction within the device? Having that, not necessarily uh, the micro batch, or at least the, the IntelliSense, if you will, to know that this next event could be out of order, out of sync, what's going on, and be able to look at it across its neighbors, not just the single event itself. Is, uh, is very important. You know, we, if we even look at you know, some other ways that other industries are trying to use, if we look at streaming, if you will, oftentimes a lot of yeah. people probably think of like Netflix, like streaming video data or things like that. Spotify. Yeah. Um, and it, it's a really interesting case where even in some of the, the technologies that run into, like, they might try to take it frame by frame. And it was a funny story. I think it was um, one of the vision APIs that's widely available. They inserted a, a picture of a tiger in a like in a full video of a school, and the metadata that came back said there was a tiger, which made no sense, <laughs> right? But it it speaks to it's it's the understanding all of the variables at that point in time, not just an individual sliver. Now, absolutely, some of that you do need still,
1: absolutely, and you know the other thing too, and this is age old problem. You know even before you know big data and the you know large volumes came along, was <clears throat> sometimes people try to take Streaming technology to solve a batch problem. Right, and not yeah. every problem that you're trying to solve is a streaming wait, problem. Wait, everything Not everything's a, a real screw? time. No, not everything's no a screw? Nick, It's not so, a nail. Come on, you know.
0: I've got a hammer.
1: Yeah, because you're I've talking. Yeah, you, you always have a hammer. Nick. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, you're talking about the oil and gas company you're yeah. working with. There's another one that I've talked to, and they about how they're using machine learning. Mm-hmm. And they're using machine learning to plot all the spots in a geographical area, land that they own, where they've you know, drilled and not hit anything right. or have hit things to then help better predict where, where the next can they go, go the next time. Now, that clearly is not a stringing case, right. right? Because how long does it take to drill a hole for oil? I don't know, but it's not real time. Yeah, no. It's, it's going to take some time, yep. right? Exactly. <laughs> so when those holes are being punched in the ground, those can be plotted on a graph and later figure out, like, where's the next best place to hit oil? We hit oil here, not here, not here, but here. Maybe we go hit there. Right. Right? And that's more, you know. So again, it's always been that problem where, you know, even back when, you know, my early days at the pharma company I worked at, I would run into people trying to use some of the, uh, ESBs to do file processing, why Why are you doing large file processing with your ESB technology? That's horrible. Yeah, it's really slow. No wonder, because it's not made to process a massive file, right? right? It's made to, to process a, a small chunk of data at a time versus, hey, you have large chunk of data that you don't really need to process immediately. And send it through here. If you do, you could still do batch in maybe a different environment,
0: like and, and it speaks to what you were just talking about. The file represents everything that that, that process needed to run within that event, if you will. The file was right. Event. It's not you can split it apart into like hey, I'm going to take the top metal and then yeah. I'm going to give it to three different <laughs> exactly. people and figure out what the, what's going on. But it it, it talks to another key Which, piece. By the way, sometimes you can
1: if it's like right. a big XML well, or yeah. JSON file, you can say. Yeah, it. if there's but some higher. In this go. case, it was just. Batch right. files and they're trying to process with an ESP. For God's sake,
0: right? Anyway. But it well, but it speaks to another architectural con, uh, decision that you have to make, which is when I look at the data that's coming through, how much of those individual messages, if you will, combine to, to really provide that insight, and can I actually split it apart? Right. So
1: that's a, that's a very important part. So yeah, you know, if we if we do a, like a recap on just the technologies, you know, you. You have the traditional batch ETL, if you want to call it that, yep. data pipelines where you're just processing chunks of data. Uh, you may be doing more you know, predictive, reactive analytics. Uh, then you have real-time data or near real-time streaming data, however you want to call it, yep. that you can handle with your your traditional ESB and message over middleware technologies. Uh, with your queues and things like that that are more guaranteed, yeah. You know, using use those for like the capital or non-capital and transaction-based, transaction-based systems. Transaction-based yeah. systems. You have now the large-scale, you know, clustering, queue systems like Kafka that handle your very large volume, very fast throughput scenarios in your your Hadoop and Spark and you know, whatever flink, whatever you want to use systems right. to do the you know, the very large volumes. So, you know, I, I hope out of you know, I hope today and this this yeah. session that you're getting a good feel of what are the different technologies, and when is it good to use one versus the other is really what I hope that we could you know get out you know our our viewers could get out of this this session. Other than again, I beat you in the big big day of chug, and uh, you know. And twisted pine is a great brewery. Yeah. So.
0: Well, I mean it, it, it I think the final piece of that is that when it, when you look at Bash versus streaming, the jury's still out, it's not that it, it's it's not that you can pick one over the other. It's it's really use case specific.
1: Yeah, I mean you gotta be smart about it. Just because you have a hammer doesn't mean that's the right tool for the job. Maybe you need a screwdriver or a drill. Right. Right. So <laughs> you know, I which always drives me nuts when I you know, when I was even when I was in IT, and I worked in these companies, and people are, you know, no, I only know, I only know my ESP technology. Therefore, I'm going to solve all my problems. I'm just going to make a data service for that, and we're going to chunk through that million records with my data service. Hey, good luck. Yeah, good luck with that. Versus, <laughs> you know what? You know, my point of sale system has, you know, transactions coming in. I need to look up data over here. Great, you need an API, you need a service, you need a message bus, you need these mm-hmm. things. Perfect. You know, or hey, I got ten thousand sensors coming in with data. And how do I handle that? You know, within you know thirty minutes I got gigabytes of data streaming into my, my database or into my system. How do I handle that? Exactly. Right? No, so I, you're dead on. There's clearly different tools and different technologies to be used and you should really look into, you know, what is your use case? Yep. Because clearly you should know that. Right. You should. <laughs> you should yeah. start out with the use case, not start with the hammer or the drill. And, and go, hey, where where do I go with this? Well,
0: and I, th- I think I think <laughs> uh, a last piece to hit on that when trying to make this decision is, as you kind of you can't you can't force fit it either. I, I might want it real time, but if the data already exists in a database, I might be able to do some change in the capture off of it. It's not like it's going to be as real time as you want. Exactly. So, I think that that's probably uh, the takeaway out of this episode. Outside of you know, there's a lot of things obviously you can tell. There's a lot of different avenues and routes you can take with this. Is that now, it's not a one size fits all problem. Um, it's certainly each one has its own reasons for being there. Um, and hopefully, organizations are still recognizing the need for both. Absolutely. Cool. So, you know, this is where we normally sign off. Um, as you can see, Mark has destroyed me on the beers today. Um, I will admit to Cheers, che- Nick. Yeah, cheers on that. Yeah, this was a
1: fun one. Yeah, right. We didn't talk about this
0: one much. Yeah, yeah. Well, we didn't though. Uh, again, highlighting Mark having whipped cream in his beer. Yeah, this
1: was a pumpkin pie beer with whipped cream on top. It was...
0: Yeah, I'm sorry. We, the, you know, if you really want it, we could have stopped at Starbucks. You could have had your spice latte. I should have. And yeah, well, that would have been, been nice. Right. That would nice. so. Yeah,
1: no. <laughs> uh, the whipped cream kind of ruined it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But hey, they offered it. It sounded good.
0: Yeah. No, I, I think it's it's been great. Again, everyone at Twisted Pine Brewery, thank you for letting us record this episode. Uh, my name is Nick Piet. I'm Mark Andy. And we'll catch you next time.